welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly Podcast with me, Steph Fairburn. Thank you for joining us as we get insights and ideas from coaches working across the game to help you develop into the coach you want to be. This episode, I'm joined by Philip O'Callaghan, a PE teacher from Cork in the south of Ireland. Though tennis is Philip's main sport, he teaches a variety of sports in his role at school. On the side of his job, he is also very interested in skill acquisition, a topic which he researches, reads about and shares more about on Twitter in the hope of making it more accessible for coaches. I caught up with Philip to find out more about skill acquisition and how it can be better understood in the context of coaching and session design. Philip, welcome to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. Thanks, I'm excited to be on. No, we're excited to have you. Do you want to tell the listeners a bit about you, who you are as a coach, and a bit more about your coaching journey? Um, yeah, so um, I'm from Cork in the south of Ireland, um, 25 years old. So I started, I'm a PE teacher, like that's my day job. Um, so I did four years of college for PE teaching. Um, when I was in college, I suppose I kind of developed a big interest in skill acquisition um it was kind of and it's something that I've kind of continued to read and stuff even though I haven't gone into further education or anything I'm just still working as a PE teacher I'm kind of um I like to kind of dig into the research and kind of read about skill acquisition it's I suppose it's a bit of a hobby (laughs) and um I coach tennis so tennis would be my uh, the sport that I played the most growing up but then like with P then I have to kind of teach every sport so it's kind of a nice mix. So the term skill acquisition what is the definition of skill acquisition? Um, I suppose it depends who you're asking which is kind of why it's um, like there's kind of I suppose they don't like saying that there's two different sides but there kind of is um, two different ways that people kind of view skill acquisition so um keeping it quite simple like one one view of skill acquisition is that it's something that's like kind of acquired so it might be like a pattern or it might be something that's kind of ingrained into your muscle memory kind of into your brain and then you kind of repeat that and then the other view of skill acquisition would be one of more like skill adaptation so um like what is actually acquired is like a more a better relationship with the environment that you're in so you kind of become more sensitive to information in the environment that will help you kind of control your actions rather than something that is like physically acquired so like what's actually acquired is a more functional relationship with the environment and do you prefer one of those definitions Um, i would be yeah i'd put my i'd be firmly in the um like it's a better developing a better relationship in the environment rather than something that's kind of acquired so I'd be more I'd view it more as skill adaptation rather than skill acquisition so just taking it back a step I suppose what is a skill and that that sounds like an obvious question but when I was thinking about it, I was thinking how granular can we get like with with football for example is a skill dribbling or is it being able to dribble with the outside of your right foot or is it both? What do you see as a skill? So I think it's nice to kind of different differentiate it as kind of like technique versus skill. So like technique is something that like would be something like maybe dribbling with the outside of, of the foot might be a technique. 
but the skill then is how you apply the text, how you apply the technique in a specific context under like changing conditions and how you can kind of adapt it to suit. Like, I suppose, like every time you dribble, the conditions are going to be different. You might be on a different part of the pitch. You'll have different people around you. Um, so like in the way I'd view a skill is then like how becoming better at engaging with the like ever with the like emerging problems that are like coming at you as you're dribbling the ball. I suppose if we continue with that dribbling example, then does there need to be some foundation set before you get to that stage where you're in different environments or do you, do you go straight into that environment? So there is a foundation, but it's different. Like, okay, so if I was coaching dribbling to beginners, someone who had never really dribbled before, instead of like going into a drill where they're dr- like dribbling around the cones, like I do something that's like I'd actually just simplify the dribbling task for them and give them lots of opportunities to like explore different ways of dribbling. So like when when you're teaching beginners, what's really important is that they're giving load like they're giving lots of opportunities to like explore and try different things so like instead of dribbling in a match they might be dribbling in a one-on-one situation or a two-on-one situation um if they're finding it too difficult to um dribble even in that you could reduce the pressure a little bit so start the defender further away to give them kind of more space to work with before they get or before uh with less pressure then you might have something like you could dribble with bigger balls or smaller balls are probably easier in soccer. Sorry. So you could dribble with smaller balls. Um, you could dribble like things like that rather than say setting a base foundation that you're letting them explore different ways of doing it and finding kind of a solution that fits them best. Yeah. And then I suppose, where do you stand on what kind of direction you give in that? Do you, do you kind of let people make their own mistakes and discover for themselves? Do you give pointers around how they could maybe improve when we're doing that? What What's your approach? Yeah, so like you can give pointers or like there's no problem with giving some instruction. But if you're giving instruction, you're just trying not to give instruction that would kind of like there's different types of instruction. So you don't want to give them kind of instructions that would like bend your knees to 90 degrees or things like that. Because they just can't really do that. It's more like if you're using instructions, you might use something that might like an analogy or something like that rather than a specific instruction. And then you can also like set up your practice design to encourage certain behaviors. So um, something that um, coaches might have heard of before is the kind of constraints that approach. So that's kind of aligned with the kind of skill adaptation approach. So by using like little constraints, you can kind of guide the learner towards maybe like dribble or more kind of, I don't want to say optimal, but kind of better dribbling or like better kind of ways to dribble or better ways to do the task. But through your practice design rather than actually like specifically telling them what to do. And I suppose um, when we're talking about sessions, what's your view on how how many skills are we should we be trying to get into a session um obviously you know when you go into a match or a game at the end you're kind of exploring all the skills but and I suppose leading up to that how much do you think we should be trying to get in there um I suppose like the way I'd look at that is more it depends on the level of the players so like when you're working with beginner players you want to kind of get them exploring a lot of different skills and a lot of different ways of doing it 
Um, so like up to, I don't know, I don't want to give specific ages, but maybe up to under 10, you might be getting them to get really good, like kind of giving them a wide range of solutions to solve problems. Um, with like, I kind of do most of the work through games. So like developing the skills through games. So like doing really like, especially with beginners that you to be doing one-on-ones, two against ones, two against two. So the players are just, touching the ball so much they're getting so many opportunities to practice different skills and like I, I don't know if I always found and I always do find like a lot of if you well when I was younger and I was playing myself what I wanted was I just wanted to play games all the time like when's the match when are we playing a match so like by doing it through games I think it keeps the players engaged quite a lot as well because they're, they're I think it's more fun than doing isolated practice or like kind of focusing on developing skills through like um, drills, I suppose. Like I'd use games and like kind of encourage them to explore different ways of doing different skills. And what about obviously different uh, different players, different kids, different adults? Everyone's going to have different strength of skills, I suppose. So um, what's your take on, um, I suppose, more of a strength-led approach where we're trying to build on skills they've already got or trying to kind of bring them up on things that they're not so good at because I guess you've just said kids kids love games but kids also love doing what they're what they're good at and if you watch a player they'll probably do what they prefer to do so how do you manage that so again you can kind of like I suppose I'll use a easy example to explain it like if you if a player always just wants to kick on their right leg you can maybe say every goal they score on their right leg is worth one, every goal they score on their left leg is worth three. So you're not saying that they have to shoot with their right left leg all the time, but you're kind of rewarding them for doing it. And like you can make it like the game is first to 15. So then if they if they keep scoring one goal, it's going to take them, they'll never get to 15. Whereas if they get three goals with their left foot, they'd be up, um, like they'd get there way faster. So you can kind of, I suppose, incentivize certain kind of behaviors that you'd want them to explore, um, especially ones that they might not do otherwise. So um, without kind of ruling out other ones. So like, I know, I know it's like, if you say, oh, you can only shoot on your left foot, then the defender knows that they can just stand on their left foot. Whereas if you say three for your left, one for your right, they can go both ways still, so it kind of keeps it more game-like. And I suppose as well, those, I suppose that's an individual challenge that you've that you've just kind of yeah. raised there as well. Is that an approach you would use to coaching skills in, in mixed ability groups or have you got any other approaches for that? Um, you can kind of do team challenges or individual challenges, like in a game. Like I often, like in P is a really, really mixed ability class, like even compared to like a soccer practice, because you have loads of kids that don't play sport besides P. And then you have some kids that love sport and play it every day. So it's kind of, there's a challenge there where you're trying to like match the ability. So like sometimes I talk to the better players, like kind of pull them out to the side, kind of like without making it obvious and kind of give them a give them their own challenge to work on during the class and then kind of discuss it with them like individually how they're getting on with that challenge. So if there was a better player, that's a way to do it. Um, I'd also use kind of games like, um, so like the first goal someone scores is worth three goals. The second one's worth two. The third one's worth one. 
So like if that player keeps scoring their goals are worth one, but if they pass it to someone and they score, then it's worth three. So it's kind of like getting more getting people involved that way by using kind of clever kind of practice design to do it. And do yeah, do you um how much do you rely, I suppose, on looking to others and seeing what they've done and or how much do you enjoy pulling that together yourself and thinking those of those ideas yourself? Yeah, I do I find it really enjoyable to even like seeing um like what other coaches are doing in other sports and then how I could kind of adapt that to suit my own sport because like tennis wouldn't really be a game where they have a lot of kind of game-based approaches so a lot of it had to, like a lot of it was seeing examples in like soccer hockey rugby basketball and then like seeing how it could apply to that and then like I enjoyed then trying to apply uh, trying to do kind of things in sports that I might be as comfortable teaching and seeing how they're working and then like maybe taking ideas from that I've seen in soccer to basketball, basketball to soccer, kind of things like that, where they're, where like the games are kind of similar and they have kind of similar principles. I suppose not that the games are similar, but they're both invasion games where you're trying to score. So they have kind of some similarities. Yeah, I was going to say, obviously, you know, we'll have a lot of soccer coaches listening. Do you think it's beneficial for them to look at other sports, look at coaches from other sports, look at approaches and see what they can apply to their practice? Yeah, 100%. I think it's really, really, it's really, really worthwhile to see what like coaches in other sports are doing because like there's a there's a thing called like the form of life. So it's kind of like things that are that have a really big influence on the kind of culture, like the culture of soccer, like the way it's been coached, what kind of influence the way that it's coached now. So and like, for example, in tennis, tennis has a really like richest or like big history of like drills so like getting building up consistency but like there's a limited benefit to that kind of in my opinion so it's the same in soccer like there's a lot of things like rondos are very popular and um kind of isolated practice but then because they're such a big part of the history like coaches would really value them but then like maybe if you look at other sports see what they're doing it might kind of it might change your mind or it might kind of give you some good ideas on like some ideas you could apply in your sport that might be different to what you usually see and do you think as well that um I suppose sometimes you have to be a bit brave to try some of these other approaches because rondos for example everyone knows how to do them they're you know people know how to coach them they usually work um parents might be looking and being like oh yeah I've seen that before that looks like a football session um do you think yeah I suppose do you think you're a bit more vulnerable trying trying something a bit different and it takes a bit of bravery yeah no I think that's a really good point you are like I remember doing it a few times and you're kind of like wow this is this is um this isn't what I expected like even in um P teaching like I've been teaching three years now and I'm kind of getting starting to get very comfortable doing it in P but as, when I was starting at what like I was some classes you'd have 30 kids in the class there'd be big differences so it's something that you kind of have to I suppose it's something that you have you are going to be vulnerable and especially like it's very easy to fall back on things that you know will work and that will look good and that will keep the parents happy but um, I think when you can understand that like what you're doing is going to be a lot more beneficial and um, it kind of makes it worthwhile and you kind of get used to being a bit vulnerable. And it's actually like I, I love going out now and kind of coming up with new games. 
a lot of sometimes they don't work but you kind of adapt them on the fly find ways to do it and then like i i get big enjoyment out of that and i enjoy i enjoy it way more than just kind of running a training session kind of coming like figuring out what's going on, like figuring out problems creating like adding maybe new rules adding new constraints to games to like to entice players into like specific like behaviors or to explore different things so yeah i think it is while you're vulnerable and it might feel especially if you've been a coach for a number of years and like you have your reputation or whatever it might be hard to kind of go back and feel vulnerable again but i do think it's definitely worthwhile and i just want to go back to i suppose the skill acquisition process because i saw you um one of your twitter posts there was three it was broken down into three stages so keep key information present include decision making and gradually increase complexity and i think those last two you've kind of referenced but just the first one keep key information present what can you tell us a bit more about what that means and how you might do it so um like with soccer um there's actually a fantastic paper and i might even send you on one of the graphics from it um like what it has like it has um things that you need to include in your task design so like there's an opponent present the ball is present it's going in a direction so like in soccer you're trying to move the ball towards the opposition goal like that's your goal is to get the ball down the field and score a goal um sometimes you might have to go back to move forward but you're generally moving the ball in this direction and there's kind of consequences present so in soccer like the your opponent, there's always going to be opponents present and the ball is always going to be there and there's always going to be teammates because it's a team sport. So like what is important there is that like when you are doing, if you are doing a working on a skill or working on a, that you try to include as much of that as possible. Sometimes you're going to have to really simplify it that like there might, there might be a defender present, but they're not, your attacker isn't under that much pressure like but then you gradually increase how much pressure they're under so that was like to kind of gradually increase their complexity so um like that would be some of the key information that i would try to include in as much of the activities or the session as you can obviously like what i'm kind of suggesting is like don't you don't have to get rid of all the isolated practice completely but kind of keep it to a minimum so like there is some you can use it but it's just uh, like the amount of the session that it takes up should be very limited so final question then because I'm really um I'm always really interested in people that kind of really believe in a method or really really study a method where yeah where, where do you want to take it I suppose this skill acquisition interest obviously it's what your twitter is called um where do you see yourself going with it um i suppose like what i want to what i'd love to do is just to be a, like there's some of the skill acquisition stuff and especially the theory behind it can be quite complicated for coaches to understand and it's too comp like some of it is too complicated and it's like completely understandable that like volunteer coaches who are coaching once a week um they don't have time to read it they don't have time to understand it so like one of the kind of goals of my page, I suppose, was try make it a bit more accessible for coaches because a lot of it, even if you were interested in it, is kind of behind paywalls, the research papers and stuff like that. So I suppose 
like I want to be able to kind of point out resources that would help coaches to do it and simplify some of the more difficult concepts to grasp and then kind of give coaches maybe a starting point of like some of the things they could do in their sessions to maybe test out and see how they feel a bit like how they can use some of the skill acquisition research or theory to improve their sessions and I've kind of said it but tell people properly what your handle is so they can follow you oh um it's I think it's mr underscore tennis underscore coach awesome thank you so much Philip for joining us Thank you. That was the voice of Philip O'Callaghan. Thanks to Philip for his time and his insights. And thanks to you for listening to the Soccer Coach Weekly podcast. For more from us, join us again next time or visit soccercoachweekly.net for practice plans, advice, interviews and much more. I'm Steph Fairburn. See you again soon. Mm -hmm.